This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You don't know how far your business can go. So don't just reach for the stars thinking that that's the limit because it's not. There are so many things that you can achieve when you have the right support system, when you are happy and content with yourself. And that's something that I always say, you need to be in a good place. You have to care for your mental health. You have to care for all of these things. You need to also love yourself, love your business, love what you do, love those around you. And I can promise you that there is nothing that will stand in your way that can stop you from achieving what you want. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Real podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. I am very excited to be on the mic. I always feel so professional on here. I feel like I'm just like ready to take on the world whenever I come to the microphone. So highly recommend you starting a podcast if you want to feel this way. But anyways, I'm currently in Miami and it has been cold here. And I know you're going to laugh and be like, what the heck? It's not been cold in Miami, but it actually has. So the past week, it has gotten down to the 40s, which is unheard of in Miami. It was 45 degrees the other day. It gets up to like the 60s, which is actually really nice. But It was down to the 40s. I was freezing. And in Miami, when it gets down below 70, people are wearing puffers, they're wearing scarves, they're wearing beanies, they're doing, they're they're bringing out the winter clothes. And so I was just shocked. I went out in shorts and like a little sports bra on my way to the gym. And I was like, what in the world? Like I was so, 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 so cold. So the next day I was prepared and I made sure to have like a sweatshirt on, leggings, like the works because... I I was just freezing. And I have just come back from North Carolina. So I was recently in Raleigh. And then I was also in Charlotte for a day. And it was actually freezing there. It was like 20 degrees. It was snowing. We had a huge snow day there. It was actually a lot of fun, but it was actually freezing there. And then coming back to Miami to have it be 45, I was like, this feels even colder than what I felt in North Carolina. Not really, but you know, it was just so like, not common for Miami. So it's been getting very, very chilly. It's it's the winter. I feel like January, February are the coldest months here. And it's really strange that it's already the end of January because, or at least when you're when I'm recording this, when you're listening to this, I think it might already be February. This year's already going by so, so quickly. Like New Year's felt like last weekend. And the fact that we're already into the second month of the year is just insane. I, I, I just can't believe it. So spring is almost here. Like, honestly, we're almost back at daylight savings where we have like an extra hour of sunlight. So this year has been going by so fast. I feel like obviously every year goes by fast. And I know it's because, you know, as you get older, just the years go by quicker. You know, like I, I always view it like one year when you're 20 is like one twentieth of your life. One year when you're 25 is like one twenty fifth of your life. So it's like time just goes by quicker. I don't know if anyone else views it that way, but that's the way I view it. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird to view, but I'm like another year that's now like one one twenty sixth of my life. And that's why it went by quicker. But yeah, 
this year has gone by so, so incredibly quickly. And I feel like the next time I say this, it's probably going to be summer already. And I'm going to be like, what the heck? How is it already summer? So it's just, it's wild. But anyways, the last time we talked, it was a solo episode. I love doing solo episodes with you. And I talked to you all about, you know, building Rella, what I learned from starting a business, things I wish I knew, like that sort of type of episode, which I always love doing. But it's been a week since Rella has launched and I am so excited to share the highlights and the lowlights. So the highlight of my week was obviously Rella launching last week, but then also we hit 4,000 downloads. Our goal was to hit 2,500 in the first week and we actually hit 4,000. So that has been a super, super big high for us. And I will say thank you so much again to everyone who downloaded it, everyone who is using it, everyone who's given us feedback, everyone who has rated us five stars. Like that means so, so, so much to us, especially as such a small team. Like we are teeny, teeny, tiny. So I would say that that has been a high. And then for the low, I would say that the stress has been magnified. You know, now we have like real bugs and real issues that we need to fix. And like, we can't fix everything in a second, you know, things takes time to fix. We're talking to so many people asking for feedback. We have to make sure that our customers are happy. We have to continue to put out content and market it. You know, before it was really just like all marketing and like building the product, but now it's building marketing and feedback. And so that has been just an added stressor. So I will say like handling that has been kind of a low because it's just been like really, really difficult. And then another low is that one of our developers is actually leaving. So he had another opportunity he had to take elsewhere. And it's obviously bittersweet because we absolutely love him and we would love for him to stay. But we understand like people move, things change, like you got to do what you got to do for your family. So he's actually leaving and he's leaving in about six weeks. So we have six weeks to find another front end developer, but that is the first time anyone has ever quit. And it's the first time that anyone has ever like, you know, we have to hire someone from scratch, which has been really difficult. So if any of you guys are front end developers or know anyone, definitely let us know. But that was a low. And I always would think before, like, oh my God, when you quit a company, you're just a number. No one cares about you. But now being, you know, the founder of a company, it's like, no, when really good people quit, it like really, really impacts the company as a whole. So we're just really sad about that, but also happy for him, obviously. So that's been a low light for sure. And it was the first time that something like that's ever happened. So it's just like trying to navigate it, which has been really, really hard. But anyways, I mean, overall, nothing to complain about. I'm still so grateful for how the launch went. I'm grateful with what we're building. And I'm just excited to have like more people excited about it and on board. So anyways, I wanted to talk about today's guest because I am so excited about today's guest. And I know that you guys are going to love this episode because it was one of the episodes I thought that I really, really, really related to. And like whenever I listen to podcasts, I just get a burst of energy. And so whenever I recorded this podcast, I just had that same burst of energy. But we talked a lot about the American dream in this podcast. And the American dream can be defined as the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into, can attain their own version of success in a society in which like upward mobility is possible for everyone. And the American dream is believed to be achieved through sacrifice, risk-taking, and hard work rather than just by chance. And while, of course, 
this isn't necessarily true for everyone. And I do think sometimes luck plays a part into success. Today's guest completely embodies the definition, like the true definition of the American dream success story. I know so many of you already know her jewelry and have seen her pieces worn by Ariana Grande, Bella Hadid, and Katy Perry, and a lot more. <laughs> like seriously, it's it's insane, the celebrity clientele that she has. But guys, the famous and the oh-so-talented creator of Adina's Jewels, Adina Kahachi Mizrahi, is on the podcast, and we are diving into her incredible story about starting a jewelry company in her bedroom to leasing three floors of a workspace in Brooklyn with 60 employees. Both Adina and I are the daughter of immigrant parents, and we were always encouraged to work for ourselves and chase whatever entrepreneurial dreams that we had, and her whole family is now involved in the business, and they truly have achieved the American dream. Adina, is overflowing passion and joy and shares her own growth and marketing strategies that have taken her company to the multi-million dollar level. Yeah, that's right. Multi-million dollar. The wild thing is she started her company with $100, $100 bill and has never had investors. She bootstrapped the entire thing. As someone who's building a company, I mean, that's like wild to me. Like that's something that I'm like, oh my God, that that's the dream. Like that's incredible. That's amazing. And that is so, so, so hard to do. I own some of her jewelry and I will say it's one of the best quality pieces that I have. Her pieces are incredible and I highly, highly, highly recommend anyone to check it out. They're affordable, but they're good quality. And my favorite piece that I own from her is a ring with my initial on it. It says N and it's just beautiful and it's a gold ring and I am absolutely obsessed with it. On today's episode, we dive into bootstrapping basics and the benefits of reinvesting in your brand, marketing tactics to reach a diverse range of consumers, what it's like to work with your entire family, and how to gain the attention of major celebrities and influencers. I know you're going to love this episode as much as you love Adina, and let's get into it. You know what the best feeling is when you walk out the door feeling like you can conquer the world because your hair looks amazing? You know those days when your hair shines with confidence? Well, I have something that are going to make those good hair days into a daily reality, which is Way's new hair gloss. I personally have been loving taking care of my hair. I just got a new haircut and at first I was iffy on it, but then the more I've looked at it and the more I've styled it, I actually really love it and I don't think I can go back to super long hair. It's all about how you style it. So I have been meticulous about my hair routine. I've been incorporating Waze hair gloss and it has literally made me love my haircut and love all of the different ways that I can make it look. It's so easy. Just five minutes in the shower and bam, instant shine. And let me tell you, preventing heat damage is a top priority for me. And with hair gloss protecting my hair up to 450 degrees, I can style worry-free. And the best part, my hair Hair feels shinier, healthier, and more vibrant than before. If you guys have seen my blowouts on my Instagram or my TikTok, you know that I have been feeling my hair and it has been so shiny. Getting your shine on in the shower with Waze hair gloss is so easy and it's packed with hyaluronic acid and rice water. And so it, so it not only gives you immediate shine, but also treats damage and enhances color vibrancy. And here's the best part. In a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother with Waze hair gloss. Loss. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T H E O U A I and use promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Adina. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited. I mean, I was telling you 
right before we started recording how excited I am to talk to you. And I feel like my audience is going to break out that I'm having like the founder of Adina's Jewels on my podcast. So <laughs> very, very excited. But we are going to start with setting the record straight. And this is some stereotypes some assumptions. You'll let me know if they're true or false. And you can like share more on your experience about it. But the first one is that you need to raise money to scale a business. No, you do not need money to scale a business. I actually started my business with $100 in my pocket. I did not even have a bank account. I was about 19 years old, 18 and a half turning 19. I was going into my third semester of college. I did not have a dollar to my name, practically. All the money that I had earned was literally from babysitting or from tutoring, just small time, nothing really crazy, just as a side hustle. And as I finally was able to get a good schedule, I was like, what do I want to do with my time? And I said, let me start a business. And the first thing that many people told me was, well, you're going to have to raise capital. You're going to have to get investments. You're going to have to ask maybe your parents. And at the time, my parents were telling me that I needed to get a job because they could not support my school funds and all of that. And I was like, so if I can't ask my parents, who am I going to ask for money? Let me just use what I have and see where it takes me. And a secret that I always tell everyone is when you start a business at such a young age and you don't have real expense. Yeah, of course I was paying for my tuition at one point, which was very little because I was going to CUNY. But if you live at home with your parents and you're living off of them pretty much, that's the time to start a business because you can reinvest every dollar that you earn back into the business. And that goes such a long way. So when I took that hundred dollars and I went and I bought merchandise and I bought product. And then I started making jewelry because at first I started by making it by hand. It was just crazy because everything that I earned from that hundred dollars, which was, I can tell you a lot more, went back into the business and was reinvested. So a hundred turned to 200 and 200 turned to 500 and so on and so forth. But when you're reinvesting all of that back into your brand, because you believe in yourself, you believe in what you're doing, you don't have to raise money you don't have to get money. You don't have to give a part of your percentage up. It becomes 100% your business. You founded it. You created it. Mm -hmm. You're putting in all the hard work and all the effort. And it's so comforting to know that you did it all on your own. And when I do sit in interviews like this with you, or when I sat with you know CNN or with Forbes, they were like, I don't understand. How did you get to this point with no funding? And I said, it's exactly like you hear it. It's exactly as I'm telling it. I kept reinvesting and growing and growing. And of course, with social media happening at the time, social media was on a, on a boost. It was on, it was booming. And so I capitalized on that yeah. and I made my Instagram page, not just about showing the jewelry, but selling the jewelry. Here's my number. Call me, text me. I can make something personal like for you, custom made, custom sizes. I wanted to be all inclusive and give people that chance to not only interact with me, but at the same time, get exactly what they want for the price that they're paying. And that went a long way. So as I did that, the sky was the limit. And then once I opened up my e-com, you know, with my brother, it was just like, boom. That was when, when I saw like, okay, there's a whole world out there and you can get orders from anywhere in the world, from any kind of person. And it's incredible. And we just made a deal with each other that we're going to go and reinvest everything back in because we didn't want outside funding. We wanted this to be 100% ours so that when we were going to turn big time, which we, we, we have, thank God, 
it would be 100% ours and we wouldn't have to answer to anyone. And that was what I really wanted. That's incredible. And I think a lot of times, especially in this country, we glamorize venture capital and we glamorize, oh my God, this person raised a series A of a hundred million dollars or, you know, it's like these big ticket numbers are so glamorized, like I said, and like, yeah. but what people don't understand is every time you raise and the more money you raise, the more you give up. Like at the end of the day, you might own 20% of the company that you built, you know, or you might own 10% of the company that you built. And yeah, you got all that money, but I feel like people think that money means like profit or that money means success. But I mean, as we saw with even like WeWork, I don't know if you've like followed that. It's like the more money you raise does not mean that you're profitable, that you're a successful company. Like it doesn't mean that, but people equate it to that. I honestly think it's way more impressive and you're more successful if you bootstrap something because that means you did it all on your own. So I think it's so cool that you bootstrapped and it's really impressive and shows people that you don't need to because I think people get scared like, I can't start a business because I don't know like rich people or I don't know people that are like in venture capital. So like I can't start something. Right. That doesn't mean that you can't start something like you can totally bootstrap, like you said. You absolutely can. And there's no reason to doubt yourself because really, if you love what you're going to be doing or what you're going to be selling, you 100% can do it with so little investment. I mean, maybe things now are a little bit different. I'm not going to say you could maybe start something with $100 in your pocket, but definitely with a really small investment or even some saved up money, you can really go a very long way. As long as you're dedicated and you have the will and the drive, there's no limit to what you can achieve. Yeah. And then the next one is that every company should utilize influencer marketing. Okay. I mean, it is definitely something that's up for debate right now. I think that a lot of brands are shifting their model and their entire outlook on the influencer marketing. I'd be lying if I tell you that I did not capitalize on influencer marketing. There was a time where influencer marketing was the only marketing that I would recommend to anyone. And it was almost like a secret. Like my brother and I used to be like, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. But like, that's what we were doing. And we were getting very personal with everyone because we were the same age. So like, imagine if I would have reached out to you, we're the same age, pretty much. So we understand each other. You weren't getting a message from this corporate, you know, behind the scene person emailing you or DMing you a whole thing, asking for specifications. I was like, I don't want to see your brand deck. I don't care. I love your content. I love your page. I'm looking at your likes. I'm looking at how many comments you have. You have great engagement. You resonate with our customers. You resonate with me as a young girl done. I want you wearing my jewelry. I want to reach out to you and I want to see if we can collab. That's how I really started. And for me at one point, that was the best form of marketing today. Things are very different. I would say Instagram, the algorithm, Facebook, advertisements, everything has changed indefinitely with privacy policies and cookie settings. If we take all of that into account, I think influencer marketing right now is not the only way. Of course, it's something that I would never give up. One, because I've already established such strong relationships with so many of these women. And it's like, I want to just give you jewelry because I love you at this point. And we already have a bond and a friendship. But at the same time, it's like, I want to focus on something else. There is a point in time where you have to say to yourself, I can't just capitalize on this. There's Google ads, there's Facebook, there's so many different things that you can do. You can, you know, figure out other channels of where to kind of invest or put time into. And I came to realize that 
yes, influencer marketing is extremely strong, but it had its ups and downs. And you have to know when to kind of almost like pull back a little bit and say to yourself, okay, I got to take a step back because I can't be focusing all of my time just on this. I mean, if you ask me a yes or no, influencer marketing is great. So I'm going to tell you yes, but it's not Mm -hmm. the only strategy. And I would say at this point in time, don't put all your eggs in that basket because there's definitely other forms and other channels that you can do, but it's definitely not something to give up. I would never give up on influencer marketing. Yeah. And I think you made a good point saying that it's, you know, you're the same age as the girls that you were reaching out to. It's, it's making sure that you're still relatable and building relationships with the people you do reach out to because they're kind of that messenger to tell their audience about your brand. And you want it to sound like they're talking about a friend and they're talking about someone that they know and they resonate with. Not like, let me take a second to tell you about this ad that people just like skip through, you know, like you want it to be organic and natural. Yeah. And I found that a lot of times when I am friendly with these girls and I do build a relationship with them, the way that they come off on screen and speak about the product, one, they automatically like do their research a little bit and they like to know more about your brand. And those are people that I love to work with because they do go the extra mile and that you do see that on the screen as, as a follower. Um, and it does make a very big difference. And that's why I always say, it's not just like a hashtag ad type of thing that these girls are doing. We become so friendly. They're doing this. They're not asking for money. They're just, they're so appreciative of the product that I'm sending them. And we have such a good bond that it's just like, don't worry about it, babe. I'm posting this. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to take a cool picture for you and like use it for your own pages content. And that's what I love when you build that relationship. And I'm talking like we're working with these girls four or five years and we started off with them when they were small. So they may have a million followers now. They may be, you know, mega influencers now, but I worked with them when they were micro macro. And it's like so fun almost because we kind of grew together. Mm -hmm. The friendship is there. We already spoke so many times. It's just like, yeah, just here's my address. I, I moved or the same address, send me the stuff. And like, I can't wait to post, you know? Yeah. So it's different. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is that you have to have experience to start a business. No. Yeah. <laughs> you do not have to have experience whatsoever. Uh, one thing that I learned very early on, I was doing all of this and I didn't know anything. And of course I was in college and at first I was, I was majoring in psychology. And of course, eventually I moved in and started doing some minoring in business because I knew that it would kind of help me out when things were getting, you know, to a bigger level. And I felt like I needed that extra help, but you don't need experience. I mean, my parents are both business people. So I always kind of heard about, you know, sales and this and retail and wholesale, but I was never thrown into a retail world. I never worked at a store. I never knew how to sell a product prior to that. So you really don't need experience. You build your own experience, the customers, the feedback, Mm -hmm. those beginning stages. If you're involved the way that I was involved, you gain that experience without having to go six, seven years in a company and just know very little. You know, when you're so invested, you get the experience so quickly. And on top of that, I was going on YouTube and watching videos. I mean, when you're already invested in something, it's like there's nothing that's going to stop you from going and researching and caring, you know? So like, yeah, of course, I read a couple of articles, you know, yes, I signed up for BOF. Yes, I did many things like that that would help me gain more insight on the industry and on the market. But did I have experience? Absolutely not. I was 19. I was in college. I 
barely had the time to really focus on anything other than my studies and a little bit of what I was doing, which I was staying up till two, three at night. That's how I kind of did it, you know, and I had no experience. I asked questions for sure, but me, myself, I didn't have any experience whatsoever and I made it through and I think I did a good job. So yeah, I think you did too. I think I think definitely it's a stereotype. You don't have to have experience. And I I say that for every aspect of the business, because when I hire someone, I would much rather hire someone who maybe does not have all the experience that's needed for that specific job requirement, but who has the passion, the drive, and who's willing to learn. For me, that's an asset to my team. I don't need someone coming in with a business suit and telling me, you know, I can promise you the world. I have experienced 20 years here and 30 years there. And then just sit down, you know, upright and like doesn't really perform and can't communicate with people my age because majority of my team is my age. So it just goes to show you that experience doesn't mean so much when it's a startup business, when you're still small and when you care so much about that passion because I'm passionate about what I do. And I want the girls that are working beside me to be passionate as well, because you could take experience all you want, but if you don't care and you don't love what you do, then what does it really do for you? Besides, besides for giving me a piece of advice here and there, what do you really bring to my team? Exactly. It's like, you have to be a good culture fit. You have to vibe well, you have to be a hard worker. Like that's what matters. I mean, for me personally, like if I'm hiring anyone, I don't even look at like what school they went to, like what, I don't care. Like to me, I'm like, all right, like you went to a school I've never heard of. Cool. You went to like an Ivy cool. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like I, that doesn't matter. It's like about your drive, your ambition, what you're interested in. And like, absolutely. That's what you bring. Not, oh, you have got a good degree at like a good school. Like that doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I always say, like, once I meet the person, like when I could read when I read a resume, it's like, okay, this sounds great on paper, but I want to see you. And then you have someone walk in and you're like, I didn't expect that. You know, I was expecting someone, you know, with fire and drive. And then you just get someone who's a blank face and just doesn't even know anything about jewelry or about your business. And it's like, okay, you do have great experience in retail or in wholesale, but what can you offer to us if you just walk in here with a blank face? And this is for an interview. You know, I love when I have a young girl walk in and she looks cool and chic and hip and she's just like, talking away just because she's nervous or whatever. But like, that's what I vibe with because that's my type. That's my age. That's, that was me. That's what I love. Yeah. And I know that you said that your parents had business experience and a business background, but what was your childhood like? Was it, did you foster a lot of like creativity in it? Were your parents very encouraging to like go off and do your own thing? Or like, were they nervous when you decided to start your own business? Like, what was that like? So my parents are both immigrants. So when they came here, they like hustled, hustled, hustled to do everything they possibly could for their future, for their kids. And they did an amazing job at that. They put us in the best private school. They, they really worked for that. And my parents never wanted us to work for people. One thing that my parents always said was we worked for other people so that you guys can work for yourselves. And it just was something that was ingrained in me from such a young age because my parents have all the experience in the world. And of course they have, I mean, they've been doing this for 30 years, 30 plus years. So they know everything there is to know about different types of people in business and, you know, just 
everything, you know, with shifts in the market. And, you know, like they both were in business during the stock market crash. So they know when, when COVID came in, they told us, you know, how to kind of maneuver. And so those were things that definitely helped us. But when I first started and I first told my parents that I wanted to start something, they were all for it. I mean, they were a little skeptical about jewelry. Absolutely. But they did know that I loved jewelry. And that was the only reason why they were like, we know how much you love jewelry. I mean, from when I was a kid, I was always obsessing over jewelry, buying jewelry. Like I would drive them crazy. So they knew she really does love jewelry. It's not like I was bringing them one day I want to do something with jewelry. And the next day I want to do sunglasses. And the next day I want to do apparel. It was like, I'm doing jewelry. And that's what I want to do in every realm of jewelry. And they were all for it. They were very supportive. And I told, I remember telling them, I said, I promise you guys that one day we'll get to a point where we're so big that I'm going to need your help, that I'm going to beg you guys to come and work with us. And they've always felt like this was something I was passionate about. My brother got involved really quickly. Now all of my siblings are involved. So it became not just a family business of like me and my brother, but it's all of our siblings. And my parents are always there to give us insight and help us. And they're just, you know, like if I need someone to go open the office because my warehouse manager can't open, I know that I can call my dad and tell him, hey, dad, can you open up, please? I'm running a little bit late. And he's there. He's opening for everyone. He's greeting in all the employees. Like that's a family business. You know, my childhood was a crazy childhood. It was beautiful. But at the same time, when it came to choosing what I wanted to do, my parents were extremely encouraging. And I always say that that's so important because you need that support. You need your parents' love and and encouragement. It's very hard to do it without that. Friends, you're going to see really quickly are just going to swish anyway. And that's when you see who your real friends are, who's who cares and who's willing to cancel the plans and come over and order in because you're shipping orders for Christmas and you're on a deadline. You start to see who's your real friends, who really cares. And if it wasn't for my family, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah, that's I feel like it might be a immigrant parent thing. Both my parents are immigrants as well. And like they really instilled like to go off and work for yourself when you were older. And both my parents worked at a corporate job for 10, 15 years. And then my dad went off and did his own business and now still has his own business. But for me, so many people were always like, didn't your parents like get like mad or nervous when you quit your job and like went off and did your own thing? And I'm like, no, like they really were so supportive of it and they were so happy about it. And yeah, it's because it was so instilled from us from a young age. And like when we were little, it was always like whatever we wanted to do. They were like, yeah, great idea. Like, you know, like that's something that you can do. And like, it never was like, "Mm, maybe not like, that's not safe. That's not secure. Like, of course they advised us and like, oh, I don't know, like here are the risks and whatever, you know, but like, I feel like there are some people that are just very risk averse where they're like, I'm not going to do anything risky. I'm going to work at a job for 25 years, get my retirement, which is fine. Like not everyone wants to start their own thing, but having parents that were also like very supportive and promoted your idea of going off on your own thing, I think really shaped like the reason why I'm often doing my own thing right now. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with you. It's definitely an immigrant thing um, because I think my parents were so afraid when they first came to the country that they were like, we have to, you know, we have to kind of work for people, work for people. And my dad did actually try something on his own. And unfortunately the business failed, but 
when I told him I wanted to do something on my own, he was like, this is my dream come true that, and also the fact that I'm, I'm a girl. And I was like coming in mm-hmm. like a little, you know, twat. And I'm like, dad, I want to do this. What do you think? And he was like, for me, this is my pride and joy. This is what I sacrificed so many years of everything for. This is why I left my country to come here and for my kids to be able to do that. Because where he was from, he, my dad's from Syria. He's like, this would have been just a dream. You wouldn't be able to. And yeah. he's like, the fact that you're, you know, and my parents are all about the American dream and they love the country because this country gave them so many opportunities that their countries wouldn't have. But my father always tells me, you fulfilled my dream that I had for my kids, what I envisioned my kids would be one day. You guys have done that. And he's like, for me, that makes everything, all the hardships worth it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, and for you, that must be so like sweet to hear and so encouraging. And like, it's also probably a reason why you're doing what you're doing. How did you come up with the idea of Adina's Jewels though? Like, were you just like, I love jewelry and I want to do this? Or like, where did you realize like this could be a business and I actually want to invest my money, even if it was just a little amount of money to do this and nothing else? So basically, like I said before, Instagram was on the rise and I loved Instagram. I loved following all these people looking at, you know, back then people were posting pictures of the sunset. That was what Instagram yeah. was <laughs> and cool, like beach waves. But at one point I was like, I love jewelry. I always used to play with jewelry. I used to always fix up the jewelry that I had. So if something broke, I would fix it. I learned how to be very savvy um, with all of that and, and just learned how to fix my jewelry, never let anything go to the garbage because I cared so much about it. But the problem was I never had good jewelry. I never had a piece that I could wear almost every single day or, you know, interchange that would last me because jewelry like that costs a lot of money. And so I wanted to find that middle ground of like affordable jewelry, but not going to last you forever, but that you could interchange with other stuff and that you could wear for a couple of months and not be like, my neck is going to turn blue, or I'm embarrassed that my ring is literally looks like I got a black and blue, you know, that was what I wanted, but I, I, I wanted it to be affordable for me. It was extremely important that it would be affordable. So When I first started out, I didn't want to just go and buy jewelry and resell. I really wanted to make my own pieces. I I wanted to make pieces that would fit me right. So I was overweight at the time. I had very little friends. I was a loner. And I was like, I want to make jewelry for myself. That was really how I started. So I had made a couple of pieces for me. And then people were like, oh, where'd you get that from? And I was like, oh, it's mine. I made it for myself. And they're like, can I buy it? And I'm like, well, I can't sell you my piece, but like I could, I can make one for you and I could sell it to you. And then they asked me the price and I would just throw a price, you know, because I was like, oh, what do I say? And of course I started off really cheap, like $36, 42, um, which, which we still have price points like that on our site now, but that was really my price point. I would never really go over $50 or $75 because that's what I was able to afford. And I wanted every girl that was buying from me who was making her own money or, you know, who was not getting the money from her parents to be able to purchase it on her own. So when I first started doing it all, it was like, I want this to become a full-time thing. You know, when you're sitting there and you're putting beads on a string and you're measuring, and I would just kind of dream about like, imagine one day I'm making this necklace for like Lady Gaga, or like I'm making this necklace for, you know, an exclusive piece. And that was what got me so driven. That was what 
I was like, oh my God, I have all these hopes and all these dreams. And like, I would love to be able to do that for, for anything, for anyone, for imagine tens of thousands of customers, like that would be incredible. And that was what really motivated me. And that's what kind of got me to really make a full, a full set, a full look and sell it like that. And then once I realized like people don't just want one necklace, they want two necklaces and they want a bracelet and they want, you know, and I was like, okay, like I can do this. And basically once it started to become where like I had more orders to fulfill than I could to actually make the jewelry. That was when I was like, what do I do next? I can't just sit and do jewelry all my life and make it by hand. Like it's really hard. And I didn't want to give it off to a factory to do it, you know, manufacture it cheaply. So I started exploring other things, started to go to trade shows, find factories and vendors who were small mom and pop, just like me, who did not need a 500 MOQ minimum, you know, and I started to like really love them and care for them. And we started to, you know, design stuff together. And that was when I started to grow into that aspect and going home to home, showing people what I was working on, what I was doing. And they're like, oh, can I already pre-order this? And I was like, I'm, I'm getting the money before I even have the the product in my hand. I was, I remember calling my dad. I'm like, dad, like I have guaranteed sales. He's like, this is like the golden ticket in business, you know? And then I told my brother Meyer, he was, he was in high school. He's two years younger than me. So he was just graduating high school at that point. And I told him, Meyer, I don't know anything about the internet. I don't know anything about e-com. I don't even know how to open up my own website. I need your help. Please can you get involved with me? And he was like, no way. I'm not doing anything with jewelry. Like I'm a boy, I'm a guy. I don't, I don't care about these things. I'm going out with my friends like this. I have my own life. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And then about two, three months later, after he was working for someone, he came to me and he's like, I'm never going to work for anyone ever again. Let's do this. Let's open up a website. Let's figure it all out. So we bought a camera. We bought like the whole tripod. We bought the whole tent for the pictures and did everything we possibly could and opened up a website and sales started rolling in. And I was telling my customers like, oh, you know, I don't have to come to you. You could buy online, you know? And some of them were like vibing with it. Others were like, no, I still want you to come. But then it just started to grow. And then the influencer marketing started to really kick in. So we're talking about a year in the influencer marketing now is becoming huge. People are showing more and more on their pages, more of like, product and ads and like they were showing off what they're wearing and they were tagging and things were starting to get really hot on Instagram. There was still no stories. There was no DMs that did not come until way later on, but I still had my number there on the Instagram. Um, and I was like, you can call, you can text and all of that. And then as we opened the site and we had influencers posting for us, we started to grow followers really, really fast. And I'm talking like we were gaining about a thousand followers a day. And then, you know, there's the conversion to sales. So that started happening. And then it was like, okay, we have to legitimize our website because our colors were like green and black. And I was like, no, we can't do this. You know, we got to change it up. So we showed our website to a couple of friends and we're like, give us insight. What do you think? What can we fix? What can we change the font? you know, all this stuff. And little by little, we started getting insight and really people stepped up, family stepped up. And even my parents were helping us. And then I was going and looking at like Chanel's website and Prada's website. And I was like, oh my God, like imagine one day having a website like this, you know? And, and I looked at everything at the colors that they use their, their palettes, their just everything. And we 
hired a team and then we hired a photographer and then we, it was like Maya and I were still picking orders, packing orders, shipping orders, doing customer service, doing everything on Instagram and reaching out and DMing. And it was like, maybe we need to hire some people. And so we did very, very small one or two people just to help us with packing when things would get crazy. And now we're like two years in, my mom goes, you guys have to get out of this house with all this product and all this, everything was there. The boxes, the shipping, packaging, everything. She's like, take your warehouse and get out. And um, (laughs) so what started off in my room and in my brother's room and then down to the, to the kitchen and then to the, to the basement. I remember this was three years ago. We said, let's go look for an office space. And we found something in Brooklyn and we were so afraid. We're like, could we pay the rent? How are we going to do this? Like, this is real expense now. But nonetheless, we pushed each other. We signed. We had one floor. Then we took the floor above us. And we are right now about to sign for the floor that's beneath us. So what started off, you know, from our bedroom ended up becoming literally just mind blowing. I, that's like, honestly, the, like your dad said, the true American dream, but it's really like the, just such an incredible success story. And also showing that you don't need to raise money. You have to believe in your product. You have to have hard work. You have to get creative. Like there's going to be long hours. There's going to be times when, you know, you don't have a social life, but like it's the sacrifices you put in to build what you love and to build your business. And I think that is so, so inspiring. And I know you said like, year in is when, you know, influencer marketing started kicking off, but how did you first get those like first few sales or like those first few like jolts of growth? Was it really just like door to door sales or like your community? You started reaching out to influencers. Like what was kind of like the spike in Adina's jewels, at least in that first like year, year and a half? So in the beginning, it was really my community. They were Mm -hmm. so supportive and I will never forget where I came from. My community was there. Grandma's you know, they were buying for themselves, for their daughters, for their granddaughters. Then moms were buying for themselves, for their daughters. And then they had birthday parties and they're like, okay, we want, you know, 12 necklaces so that we could put it into 12 bags. Can you give us a discount? And I was like, of course. And then I was making that. And then it just was like word of mouth, word to mouth, word to mouth, like just crazy. The growth that word to mouth is so, so powerful. And that's why it was so important for me. Like my dad and my mom always told me, my parents were like, customer satisfaction is key because it's the customer who owns you. It's the customer who chooses if they want to come back and shop by you or if they want to look elsewhere. And that was for me very important. And even if it was not my fault, and even if it, a year had passed and the jewelry broke or they, they would tell me to, the, they would tell me straight up, like my baby grabbed my necklace and <laughs> broke it. And I'm like, but that's not my fault, but no problem. I'll make you a new one on me. Don't worry about it. You know, just give me back the beads and I'll handle it. They're like, well, I don't have all the beads. I have like two beads. I'm like, just give me whatever you have because it's my money, you know, and I'm going to do what I can. But that's what it was. And, you know, when I, when I think back on it now, it's like the influencer marketing definitely is what gave us that spike. I, I can't even deny it. Those few, few really top influencers who posted us. And like, when I say posted, like they really posted and they took beautiful pictures and they really cared. They were the ones who set up the stage for that spike, for that growth. And I call it now petty cash, but without, you know, that petty cash from my community, from the jewelry that I was making, from all of that, I wouldn't have been able to invest the right way back into the business. So at that point, when when the influencer marketing was taking off, you know, you have to give free jewelry. You're taking from your stock. So if you only have five, six pieces and now you're giving 
to three different influencers, you're going to give them a nice box. You're not going to just send them one piece. You're going all out because you really want them to post and to really care. I was eating from my stock. And that's an expense in itself because you're not selling that because you're giving it away. But then once I started to see like, oh my God, Madison Beer took this picture and posted this on her Instagram and you gained 10,000, 15,000 followers in one night. And then the sales, it was like one worth every dollar. Cause at first I was very hesitant. I told Mar, I'm like, I'm not giving away the jewelry. Like I make this by hand. There's no way. And he's like, Adina, you have to, you have to just trust me. And when you see all of a sudden that growth, one, I was very scared. Cause I was like, we, how are we going to do this? We're living in our parents' home. We're still in school. We don't know anything about business. That was when the fear started to kick in. I was like, where do we go from here? How do like, we're staying up now till two, three in the morning, making these necklaces, getting these personalized pieces in. And then people started to like comment because there was still no DM. So people are commenting and they're like, well, you know, how, how do I purchase this? Or what's the link? And then DMs came in and it was like reaching out tenfold to so many people up to a point where like Instagram would tell me, you can't send any more messages for the rest of the day. And me and my brother were like, what do we do now till tomorrow? So while we maximized the amount of DMs we could send a day, we were going and shipping orders and working on our, Insta- on our Instagram page, working on our website, perfecting it, uploading product, going into 47th Street, going to trade shows, you know. So then there was the, the, the Miami shows and the Vegas shows. And it was like, oh, my God, now we're going to start to spend money on, on travel. And it was also scary, like the expense was starting to pick mm-hmm. up. And it was like, where do we turn? What do we do? Can we make this on our own? And we didn't take a dollar. We did not pay ourselves. I'm telling you, for two, three years, I did not take a dollar from the business. And I was like, how am I sustaining myself? But I did it. And my brother did too. And it was a sacrifice. And today I can't tell you, you know, I would be able to give up my salary. If I have to, I would. But back then it was like, not even a question. It was like, you don't take a penny, you keep reinvesting this. And that was why we were able to get to where we got to because every dollar was going right back in, right back in. And it was like, we weren't taking a penny out of the business to a point where my accountant literally looked at me and he's like, are you crazy? Like you have to take a salary. He's like, I know you're, you're, you're 19, you're 20, you're 21. You're still a kid more or less, but he's like, you need to start to show that you're taking a salary, you know? And that was when we're like, okay, now we're growing. Now things are happening and changing. And it was incredible. It was, that was what I'll say, I was like afraid. It was more of an anxiety type of thing because it was like, we're getting so big. My name is on the brand. You know, I don't want to have any issues. I I cared so much. And it was like, I wanted everyone to be happy, you know, and I didn't want to have one customer who was upset, which you learn down the line that that's impossible because there's going to be customers that are going to be upset no matter how much you try to mend the situation. And you could give them the world and they'll still be upset. But it taught me that the growth, was just exponential. And, and that's what I always say mm-hmm. is one thing that you cannot negate about America, about where we <laughs> live. You can achieve anything here because yeah. you, you get the support, you get the love from different communities and different people. And it's just, it's very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, for you, you got it in the hands of some really big name people. Like you said, Madison Beer, I think was one of like the first celebrities to really wear your first. product. How did you get it into her hands? Was it like she just bought it and then showed it off? Did you like know her agent? Did you just DM her? Like, 
how is it getting in, into the hands of these like big name celebrities and influencers? So with Madison specifically, we had reached out to her mom. We, we were able to, we found the contact and we reached out to her mom, um, who is, I think, her, her manager, her agent. But down the line, surprisingly, many stylists would reach out. Hey, I'm dressing, I'm dressing up Ariana Grande and she loves your pieces. And I'm like, what? Yeah. They're like, yeah, she knows your rainbow collection and she loves it. Or Bella Hadid wanted the specific rainbow ring. And she was like, I want it. I want it. I want it. And I'm like, you'll have it. You'll have it, girl. Like, don't worry about it. You know, like I'm working on it. A lot of them reached out to us, which was incredible uh, when we were small. So like they felt comfortable reaching out. They knew that they weren't getting this like corporate response of like, hi, email us or, you know, fill this out. And that's what they loved. It was very easy. It was like, you want it? No problem. You have it, you know? And um, for a lot of them, we reached out. We got very lucky. Some of them just happened to have opened our DMs. I used to figure out when is the best time to DM them. So like two in the morning, three in the morning, they're not getting that many DMs at that hour. So you get to the top of their list and like they open it and they see it, you know? And then of course, once we got, we were verified, once you got the blue check on Instagram and we were verified, then it was like, people respected you. They're like, you are a real company. Mm-hmm. I will respond. I will take the chance on you guys because I, I am expecting that you're going to send me what I asked for and you're going to send me what I, what I love and it's going to last me and I'll be able to take a picture and I'm not going to be promoting a brand that's, you know, like a scam company or a small brand that can't even, you know, handle the amount of sales that will come in after I post. So when Bella took that very famous picture with her, Kendall and Gigi, and she was wearing the rainbow ring, the sales were just nothing else on the website. It was just the rainbow ring. That's crazy. I was getting restock of that. I didn't even add it to stock because I had put it on pre-order and I was like going into negative, like heavy negative. And I was like, oh my God, how do we keep up? And this was in the summer. So I'm sitting home. I'm not on the beach tanning with everyone else. I'm just taking in the orders, taking in the sales, doing everything, making sure that everything goes out perfectly. And like when you show that you can do that, when an influx of sales come in, you start to prove yourself and then Mm -hmm. they'll work with you again. But stylists and agents and managers reached out and reached out. And it was incredible because they didn't only love the brand, they loved us, but they believed in us. And when I see that people like this who are so, so senior, in the, in the, in the industry and they're reaching out to me, I'm like, what? You're like a top, top stylist that half the celebrities that reach out to you, you won't even take on as clients. You're reaching out to me to, to, I'm a 20 year old girl, you know, from this small little community in Brooklyn, you're reaching out to me for jewelry. I'll give you my life. I'll give you anything you want, you know? (laughs) And, and it was just, it was incredible. And then one thing led to another and because Bella was wearing it, then everyone who, any influencer who followed Bella reached out to us instantaneously. The same thing with Ariana Grande, the same thing with Katy Perry, the same thing with all these people that we had sent out to. And a lot of them were requesting it from us. You know, when I saw the email, I was like, oh my God, of course, just tell me what you need and you'll have it. When HBO shows were reaching out to us while they were still in film and were not even publicly announced yet, I was like, absolutely. You just tell me what you need for each character and you'll have it. Those were emails that one, I'll never forget. I have them saved forever, but that's what brought us to where we are. And the same way they believed in us, we believed in them. I gave them the product. I, I took away from my stock. I took away from my sales because I believed in them and I believed that they would post. 
of course, there were many who said they're going to post and promised us and they didn't. And those are people that I'll never forget because when they reached out to us now, or when they Mm -hmm. reach out to me later on, I will always remember how they scammed a 20 year old girl who loved them and looked up to them and gave them the best box she ever created. Cause I used to make it all myself. I used to put it all together. I'll never forget that. That's something that I'll never forget. And I can tell you, and I'm sure you know that when you first start and those people who don't believe in you or, you know, who lie to you or cheat you, you're never going to forget them. You're never going to say it to them, but you'll never forget, you know, and those are the ones that it hurts a little bit, but from all of the love and support that I got from everyone else, it was so overpowering that like, it didn't even matter, but you learn eventually who to trust, who to give the product to, who's going to really help you out. And those girls, I mean, they took me very far and I, I, I love them. Well, I also think like how you said that they reached out to you, you did so much work before then to even get to that point where they're reaching out to you and you were very creative with it. You went door to door. Like today in 2021, people are not going door to door because it's like, they think that they're above that or they don't want to, or it's like, oh, well, I'll just get like a viral TikTok or I'll just get like a viral Instagram or YouTube video. And like, I'll just reach out to influencers and I think people think that it's easy because the internet makes it look easy. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I I like started a business and then like all of a sudden Madison Beer is wearing my product. To some people, that's what it looks like, but it's so much work in between and like so much creativity and perseverance and not giving up. Like you said, the customer, you have to, you know, okay, your baby pulled on your necklace. Okay, I'll, I'll make you a new one, you know? And like that probably made that customer come back to you and then spread it to her friends. And So it's so much that people don't see behind the scenes and they make it like the internet just makes it look so easy. Or like if they find you now, it's like, oh, this jewelry company, like, cool. Like they don't know the years of work that went into it and like how much love, sweat and tears like went into it either. And I know you said that you started with first, just you, then you and your brother. Yeah. How many people do you have now? Like how big is your team today? We're almost 60 people. Oh my gosh, that's so much. I wasn't expecting that answer. I was expecting 20, 30, 40 people. Wow, that's, I mean, that's incredible. And when was that moment where you realized, all right, we're scaling, like we're growing at a rapid rate. We need the second floor. We need the, we need to hire those five extra people because for a while it was just you two. So when did that kind of like kick in? Like what were those growth spurts? So basically a year into having our, you know, the fifth floor, we call it the fifth floor. We were like, we're, we're, we're just, we outgrew the space. The product was taking over everything. We, we have over 2000 SKUs on our site. So uh, we're not just like, you know, go heavy on stock and then small amount of products. We're very creative. We love to have a very wide array because so many different customers come onto our site now. And so it's no longer just the 18 to 24 year old girl coming on, but you have the moms, you have the grandmothers, you have everyone coming on. They want to buy a graduation gift or they want to buy a birthday gift. And that's when you get all of a sudden the 30 to 40 year olds. And then the, the male consumer who comes on and is buying for his girlfriend or for you know his partner or for his daughter, for his wife, you all of a sudden start to see major growth. Spurts, I would say basically one year into having the office, we were able to expand tremendously because we had the space, because we had the team. And right away we got, we, we wanted to sign on the sixth floor, it took about six months for them to, to renovate and do construction. Um, and now we're just about celebrating our third year at the office and we're taking the floor beneath us. So, I mean, 
it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I see spurts a lot of times during this specific time period where it's holiday season and you see how strong your influence is. But at the same time, it was just like some people just blew us out of the park, you know, with their posts, with their stories. I mean, some influencers or celebrities really have influence and they bring you customers who are not a one-time purchase. And on top of that, we were just scaling with everything with mm-hmm. Facebook ads and with Google. So when you would search up Rainbow Ring, we were one of the first jewelry brands to come up, one of the first links. So of course, you're getting so many people coming on. SEO, keywords, all these things we learned really, really quickly that all this stuff is extremely important because yes, Instagram is going to bring you a lot of followers, but today Instagram is not my main focus. It's not my only source of, you know, getting customers, but that'd be impossible in in today's day and age with, with everything changing really, really quickly, I'd be out of business. So we learned how to, you know, conquer so many other you know, facets. And once we, we learned that, and once we conquered that, and once we really got it down pat, that's when the growth just boom, boom, boom. And it was like, yes, the followers are coming in. Yes. The the sales from Instagram are coming in beautiful, but what about the rest of the world who does not have Instagram? You know how many old women used to come and tell me, well, why do you only advertise on Instagram? I don't have an Instagram. And I was like, well, we don't only advertise on Instagram. If you go on Google, you can find us. And she's like, well, I would have to know who you are to find you directly. I'm like, no, if you type in Pearl Choker, you'll probably find us after a couple of clicks. And that's when we started to realize that you got to maximize on every channel because there are so many people in this world who don't have Instagram and who don't have mm-hmm. Facebook and don't want to have a Pinterest. And you're like, so how else can I get them? Who doesn't go on Google? You tell me. I mean, I go on Google for anything and everything. So if you go on Google now, you'll find me. That's the whole thing. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. And especially as you grow, you're starting to scale in every single direction. Yeah. Did you have any challenges with scaling? Like, were there any challenges where you're like, oh, we're growing so fast? Like, was there any moment where you're like, we're growing too fast or it felt like that for you? Yes, absolutely. There were moments where I was like, I remember going into my brother's office and I'm like, Meyer, if we do not hire more people right now, we're going to explode. We can't even like my brain is going to explode. I was like, I was doing customer service. I was doing the picking. I was helping out with all the new trainees. I mean, it was insane. I was like, Meyer, we need more people. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it alone. Like he was focusing on all the marketing. He was learning all of that. And it was a lot to learn. I mean, he was 20, you know, and I was 22. And we were just like, what's going on? We just don't even know how to do so many things. At one point I told him, I'm like, we need to get advice from some people. We need to start talking to people. We were staying in the office till midnight till two, three in the morning working because we did not have enough hands. And that was when I told Mara, I'm like, we're not even answering customer service calls because there's no one to answer. Like we have to figure something out. We have to have start to build teams. And that's when we were like, okay, we have no choice. And we started to build teams. And, you know, when you hire someone, it's not like yourself where you're like, all right, if I don't get money this week, it's okay. You got to pay them every week. They have a salary and that paycheck has to go through. So it was a lot of risk. It was very scary. It was, it was frightening to, to have such a high payroll and then to also have to be doing a lot of stuff on our own because we were still doing pretty much everything. It was like, 
when are we getting the break, you know, and I, I'm still so invested and I still like, I will do anything and everything. If I have to, I still work hand in hand with the customer service team and with our product development team and with our uh, purchasing team and with the marketing team and with everyone. I, I work in the warehouse. Most of the days, my office is situated in the warehouse. I'm still on the fifth floor. Everyone else went up. I'm on five because I'm not leaving my product. It's my babies. But it's all these things that you come to learn. It's scary when you blitz scale. It is like the anxiety. It's terrifying. But when you see those sales coming in and those orders coming in and when you're printing out orders and the, the printer like literally does not stop printing for an hour, there's no words. There's, I can't even tell you how you just got to feel it. You got to be there to see it. It's, it's an incredible feeling when you're so overworked, but your success, it overpowers everything and you just don't care. I'm like, you know what? It's okay if I don't go to the beach today and it's okay if it's 90 degrees outside and I'm cooped up in here with the AC blasting on 65, I'm just going to take it because I know that in a couple of years from now, I'm going to look back at this and, and, and I'm going to say, the only way I can live my life like this is because I did what I did. And Meyer and I, my brother, we always say, by 30, we can be retired. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the, that's goal. the goal. Because you know what? We've sacrificed our entire 20s. I'm 26 right now. I just turned 26. And my brother Meyer is 23, 24, just turned 24. By 30, I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, and, and what woman wouldn't want that? Because of course, I want to have a home. I want to, I want to build a family. I recently got married. That's the next agenda on my list. So I want to give my kids their time because I learned in psychology how important that is. And then I also want to give my business the time. So how do I manage that and do all these things and learn all these new roles? That's what's scary now for me personally, but day by day, I'm just tackling it. So I, I realized there's no need to worry because there's no need to have the fear. You, you're not there yet. And when you get there, just plow through. One thing I learned, if you just go through it and you accept it as it is, there's no point in, in fearing. You just, mm -hmm. you make it, you know? Like you said, like everything has its season. Like you work now in your twenties so you can enjoy your thirties. Like it's not this grind forever, but you're sacrificing now so that you can enjoy later. And like, exactly. like your parents, your parents work for someone else. So you can work for yourself. And like, Life, I think, is all about those seasons and those sacrifices and you get what you put in. I mean, obviously, there's some nuance to that, but like, I do believe that. And so I think that you're like such a great example. You started with 100 and now you're a multimillion dollar company. So <laughs> you really grew and scaled it. And it's the hard work that you put into it, which I think is so awesome. So, I mean, thank you so much, Adina, for coming on my podcast. This was incredible. I love your jewelry. I love your stuff. I think that what you're doing is so, so amazing. And like, before we were doing this podcast mm -hmm. and I like looked up your story and all of that, I had no idea you were 26. You know, I was wow. like, Oh my God, we're the same. Like I'm 25. So I'm like, <laughs> we're like the same age. Like what the heck? Like I would have thought that you were some older woman that had like years of, you know, building this like super successful company. Like I didn't know how new it was. I didn't know that you were so young. I was like, this is just like so incredible. So I love your story. I think it's such an inspiration to so many people. And I think it's like really shows that hard work pays off. It does. It definitely does. And if there's one thing I could say, you don't know how far your business can go. 
So don't just reach for the stars thinking that that's the limit because it's not. There are so many things that you can achieve when you have the right support system, when you are happy and content with yourself. And that's something that I always say, you need to be in a good place. You have to care for your mental health. You have to care for all of these things. You need to also love yourself, love your business, love what you do, love those around you. And I can promise you that there is nothing that will stand in your way that can stop you from achieving what you want. And it's up to you what you want, because I could have said, I want to stay within my community. I want to take this much money home. This is, I'm happy with this and call it a day. That was not good enough for me. I knew I deserved better. I knew I wanted bigger and I went for it. And with the right people by my side, I was able to do it. And so I always say, it's, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if your parents are immigrants. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you are an immigrant. It doesn't matter where you come from or what's your name or how much money you have in your bank account. If you want something and you love what you do, go for it. You quit that job and you follow your dreams because you alone, when you have those dreams, it's up to you to make that a reality, no one else. And so you have to take it upon yourself. I love it. Thank you so much, Adina. This has been incredible. And thank you. I will have all of your links in the show notes, but where can they find you and where can they find Adina's jewels? So uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, we're at adinas.jewels. My personal Instagram is at adina.chem. And then of course you could find us on adinasjewels.com. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Oh, 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 oh,